Oregon basketball is going back to the transfer portal for 2022 and the 23 season. Is it going to work the way it didn't quite come together a season ago? We'll discuss today with Ryan Winter, Sports Chat 503. Back on the show. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan, most importantly. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which, of course, is your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. Those of you watching on YouTube can see that I'm bringing him right back on the show because we love his insight. Ryan Winter at Sports Chat 503 on Twitter and on YouTube as well. He's churning out duck content. He's got a bunch of great takes, and that's why we bring him back. And, you know, we just scratched the surface with bas- basketball talk last week, Ryan. So we're just going all hardwood here today on the show. And it's great to have you back as always, man. Thank you so much, Spencer. Love being here, man. So uh, let's dive into it and start with just kind of the current state of the roster. And somehow, some way, we don't know if Will Richardson is going to come back. My theory is he's not. I mean, we've now added two backcourt transfers who we will talk about today on the show. But I, I just can't see how he would come back and fit into that mix unless Dana really wants to run with three guards again. But I just, I don't know. I feel like he might want to go more traditional after the defensive shortcomings they had this past season, having three guards on the court all, all at once. Just kind of looking big picture here. Big Frank leaves the program, which I got to admit, hurt my heart a little bit. I, I love Loved watching Big Frank, man. His energy is just infectious. That guy loves basketball, but you certainly understand why in a crowded front court he would go. Unfortunately, he's going to the Huskies, and we'll just put those feelings uh, aside <laughs> for now. But just kind of where do you put uh, this Oregon basketball roster as a whole with, with the transfers they've brought in and the departures they've had? Well, you, you got to believe in Dana, right, first and foremost. He's a guy who's been in this transfer portal department for quite some time. Now that just – the process is sped up. Now the guys are just coming right away. There is no time to wait. I mean, uh, think about Eugene Amarui on that team that had to wait. You know, he could have been producing on that team, uh, you know, sitting on the bench that year. And you know, now it's just automatic. And it felt like last year the guys just never really gelled. And down the stretch, Will got, you know, the illness, and that really took a lot of the wind out of their sails. I was at that USC game and that UCLA game. I tried to go to as many games as possible. And you know, that UCLA game was such the highest high, and then that USC game was such the lowest low after that. Couldn't get that bucket. I was right there behind that basket, and I just – I you, you could feel the whole thing fall apart. Like, the whole season was done, you know. And um, <clears throat> it was really kind of frustrating, you know, not really knowing what was going on and, and, and then having him kind of go, you know, it was a really weird – if that is the end of his career at Oregon, it's a very weird ending. Will and, Richardson you're talking about. Yes, Will Richardson. And, you know, for that reason, you know, I actually think the door might be open. And, again, I think these guys get a lot of advice, and I think a lot of people are saying go to the, take the money. And they're always saying go to the NBA or go find someplace in Europe because these guys can all play professional ball somewhere and find a place somewhere for the most part, the best players. And Will was the best player on that team last year consistently. 
I mean, he didn't have huge nights, like 30 point games that you would assume the, the, the leading scorer would have, you know, huge numbers, but he was consistently strong. And even the games he didn't score in, he was still producing in, you know, but I just think that they went away from Dana's system last year. I think that Dana really leans on rebounding the, 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 the soft three quarter press that turns teams over. They didn't get a lot of turnovers. They didn't rebound very well two cornerstones of setting up their offense, which got a little stagnant last year. And it got a little one-on-one that I know he doesn't like. I know he wants to get simple plays and there were not a lot of simple plays last year. A lot of really manufactured plays that took a long time to develop. And I think in Folly Dante coming back fully healthy, you know, last year it felt like he really didn't get his legs underneath him until about halfway through the season. And you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to have a lot of pressure on him. I think he's got really high expectations, but I think he's going to have to have a huge year next year uh, because the way that these big men are looked at, you know, now going forward in the NBA, unless you can shoot the deep ball, you know, the the, the big men are not as important as it once was. I mean, I, I get it. There's still a need for rebounding. There's still a need for defensive uh, stopper in the middle, but you know, uh, being the number one guy and dumping the ball down, it just doesn't really exist in the modern game anymore. So, uh, you know, it, it, it big picture, I think they're going to be fine. They've got a lot of guys coming in. They've got a really good recruiting class coming in. They've got good guys coming in. They can probably produce right away uh, in the in the freshman incoming class. And that's what you expect with these high-end uh, recruits now. You get the number one you know, point guard in the country is a lot of, you know, people have said, you know, you expect that kid to play right away. And even though that, you know, on the transfer level, you're, you're trying to get guys who have experience to come in and play and give you some quality minutes. But I think you're expecting a lot from this freshman class. So it's again, how does Dana put all the pieces together, right? Aligning the Rubik's cubes. That everybody likes to kind of talk about halfway through the season, but it's really about how well they play on defense because I think offensively they're going to get buckets because these guys are all talented. It's just whether they can gel together defensively and stop anybody late in a game. Yeah. And when you look at the transfers that they brought in last year, right, you had Quincy Garrier who really came on strong at the end of the year. And I am very glad that, that he's back because I like his game a lot and he does a lot of really good things, but they also had Jacob young and Davion Harmon who were, both very small guards. Now they were productive and they were good offensively, but I never felt like they were either either of them really were were ever plus defenders, right? And probably leaning more on the negative side. And Dana is a defensively minded coach. That's where Oregon has always made their money consistently. As you think of the great shot blockers, the Jordan Bells, the Kenny Wootens, the Chris Boucher's. You can go back a ways and find some good players. And Folly and Frank are just kind of two of the more recent names who have been effective as sort of the anchors of that defense. But on the perimeter, I, I just think they struggled to defend because those two are such offensively minded players. Richardson is not. Richardson is a guy who is willing to dig in at the defensive end and has done so really over his entire career. And I think part of that is when he first got to Oregon and first started playing, he wasn't the number one guy. He wasn't the top option on on that Oregon team. He was a freshman. I think it was 2000. 19, 18 or so, one of those teams with, with Peyton Pritchard as the number one, right? And he was kind of the guy waiting in the wing. So he had to show that he was able to step onto the court and, and do a number of things and be willing to put in the effort so that he could someday become the number one, which which he did. But they bring in the, these other two guards, Keyshawn Bartholomew and, uh, and Jermaine Kuznard. And that is how you pronounce it, everybody. Kuznard, like K-O-O-S and, and then Nard. 
And Ryan, I'll ask you about them after I tell you about Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores. Go Mariners. Uh, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So these two transfers that, that Oregon has brought in in the backcourt that are leading me to believe that Richardson is just not going to be able to fit. I mean, it, it could be possible. But, you know, with Kella Ware coming in, who we're going to talk about here on the show, I, I like both of these transfers. You know, if Will does end up leaving, which I anticipate happening, if our starting backcourt next year is Keyshawn Bartholomew and Jermaine Kuznard, who can both play point but are kind of that, that combo guard mold, you know, neither one may be a pure point guard. But also I think that's because they haven't been given the opportunity to do so, but both are capable. They've averaged, you know, about three, three and a half assists a game during their careers at Colorado and South Carolina respectively of the two of those, you know, they both averaged double digit points a season ago and have the potential to step in and, and be really nice players and contribute in a major way. Is there one that you think has the potential to, to make an impact more than the other? Well, you know, I've watched the tape on both of them. It's very exciting to see both these guys. And, you know, I do think that Chuck Martin has something to do with it as well. Yes. Coming in assistant coach. Right. But yeah, I think, you know, Janine Knuznard, I think, man, his, his skill is, you know, just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit faster. And I really like what he could do in that trap zone. I think that he's a guy who's very athletic, you know, his film, what jumped off the tape for me was, you know, I watched the basically almost as much as I could have the LSU game where he had like 30 yeah, and he was just all over the, yeah, he was just all over the place. And, you know, just a guy who's really ball control, uh, you know, body control, physical guy uh but you know like you said you know uh body type wise feels like he could play the point i i, I actually think they'll probably put both of them on the floor at the same time i think the way dana has kind of leaned on his that three guard lineup i think he really likes and then having maybe an athletic wing and a big center rim protector um i i don't know if he's gonna go with the twin towers situation he's gonna have some seven footers on the lineup and he's he proved this year that he only did it a couple times uh, having those two guys in at the same time, I would like to see what it would look like if Ware played at the same time as uh, Dante, and you could. Have oh, I want to see that. Play him at the four and let him stretch yes. a little bit because that's the modern game. I think. I think sticking guys on the block is is kind of you know twenty years ago now, thirty you know fifteen twenty years ago, and we're just kind of past that a little bit. Doesn't mean there's not still a place for it. And I think you can still hit it in attack mode every once in a while, but I think you need to get the best athletes on the floor and you need to put a lot of pressure on these other teams, especially defensively with the shot blocking. Cause I really liked what I saw from big Frank clean stuff up, especially from the help defensive side. He was a major, major stopper. So you're going to have to fill that with somebody. And I did like how Biddle played at the end of the year. Once he started getting some minutes, started feeling a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and, but again, it's going to be really interesting to see how the mold, the youth and the, uh, 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 you know, the, the adjustment from the older guys, but I really like both of these new transfers. I think they both are going to play a lot of minutes immediately. And I think that's the key thing with Dana is he gives enough respect to these guys who he's going to give them the keys and let them run with will. I think will could come back and still be really productive on this team and really be a, a guy to kind of lead this team. 
but I could see if he's going to go forward. I don't know if he's an NBA guy. I, I just don't know. I don't know how the how the recruits are really or the uh, scouts are really looking at him and where they judge him. Um, it would have been nice to see him have a really productive end of the season and get to the tournament and have a tournament run. And instead, the whole season just kind of fizzled and fell apart. Um, he seems like a guy who could bounce around and play in Europe for a while. He has a very skilled game. He's got a good basketball IQ, Oak Hill Academy guy. I mean, the guy's been around, right? The guy knows what he's doing. So I think the, I think the key thing with this basketball program is they continue to look for the very best players and they're going to find out if they can play or not. And I, I don't know. Sometimes it, it, we always talk about this in basketball or football where we don't know if it's going to translate from one to the other. It feels like the kids they're getting in, the transfers especially, are ready to play on day one. And it feels like a lot of these freshmen are ready to play on day one. I think with Will, in terms of his NBA prospects, I don't think they're that great. I mean, I think his ceiling would be a backup role-playing point guard. Just because, you know, when you watch him play, he does a lot of great things, right? He, he's a good passer. He's a good, strong finisher in the lane. He can shoot the three well. But the, the way that he shoots is not amazingly conducive to, you know, getting his own shot in the NBA, right? You think of a guy like, uh, I don't know, Jalen Brunson, for example, who went to Villanova, who has carved out a really good role. It may, may, might even be a starter now in the NBA. The way that they're able to get their own shots are, are very different. And Will is almost exclusively a three-pointers and layup kind of guy. And I don't know if you don't have that sort of well-roundedness to your offensive game, if you're going to be able to find a consistent role in the NBA. In Europe, 100%. Will Richardson could play over there in his sleep and be a really good player, but I just feel like he would struggle. And, you know, he, he's got great size. He's six, four, six, five, you know, a really big guard willing to defend. I think that helps him, yeah. but I just think that, you know, the, the way that his game translates to the next level is not fantastic. And so if he were trying to go that route, which I, I presume that he is because he's a very talented college player. If I were Will Richardson, I would consider, transferring to another school because I, I think that with the way this backcourt is looking with Bartholomew and Kuznard coming in who are going to expect to play heavy minutes and should play heavy minutes because they're both talented guys. Will's not going to be able to maximize his opportunities. I don't think Oregon should be a team that's back in the NCAA tournament. And that would in theory help, but I think there are other tournament caliber teams he could go to where he could, you know, better showcase his skills and maybe develop his game a little bit more just because they're not going to be that many touches. But another thing you touched on, Ryan, I like right now, let's assume Will doesn't come back. My starting five, I would go Bartholomew and Kuznard in the backcourt. I put Gary, Gary on the wing. I'll throw Kelo Ware at the four and Dante at the five. Okay. I think the reason a season ago, you didn't see big Frank and Anfali together is because neither of them are shooters and you can get away with having one non-shooter on the court, but you can't have two, but where can play as a true stretch four, And I don't think he's, totally ready to be a five and be a physical presence inside the way that Dante is. So I actually think that that combination worked really well. That would give Oregon a lot of length, athleticism and size, shot blocking ability, shooting. I just, I like the way that, that that could shape out. I, I really want to see those two play together a lot. I, I agree. And if you're Nate Biddle, I mean, all you got to be working on this year is all the jump shot, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you, you want to be able to shoot the ball from a variety of different spots and, and, and produce when you can get the ball in your hands. You know, I also like Rivaldo Soros. I, I think that he has a really unique spot on this floor. He's a, he's an active wing. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he can be productive. Uh, you know, I could see them, uh, you know, going with him at the three and Gurrier at the four. 
Uh, you know, but again, I, I think the way it works out right now is you just got to let everybody play. Going back to the uh, conversation about the NBA, I actually thought Gurrier was actually a guy who would maybe project better than Will. I think oh, he's got I agree. bigger, better totally NBA body. He can fill a variety of different roles in the NBA. He can be a three, he can be a four. You know, he, I think I think Will has kind of been a tough spot. You know, I, I there's so many good guards now, and the guards just dominate. I mean, what talk about having your hands full? I mean, that gives even more. Uh, a prowess to how good Peyton Pritchard is. We were talking about that before we jumped on, like, you know, just to, to be a guy who, who's that good, who's that productive in, in, at that level with that type of a team, you know, is really saying something about his skill level. So yeah, I like that. I also really like Dior Johnson. I think Dior Johnson is a guy who's going to be able to come in as a point guard and put up some serious minutes. He looks very smooth. Um, uh, you know, kind of a guy, uh, you know, Again, you, you look at East Coast, West Coast kind of guys, it feels like, you know, from my perspective, and he's a very much a West Coast smooth point guard, get up and down the floor, uh, another big guard, uh, pro probably uh, longer longer than most guards he's going to be facing. And uh, I think he's going to be a really fantastic addition as well. So I think they'll be fine. Yeah, and, you know, the, the thing about Oregon this year is they're, they're bringing in a couple transfers, right, and they brought them in a season ago, and the talent was there, the hype was there, the expectations. It didn't work out. Do you do you think that it will be better this year, right, bringing in, you know, two new guys via the portal and you have a couple freshmen coming in? Would you expect that they'll be able to gel together and be more productive and live up to our expectations next season? Yeah, I think, you know, just again, I have to blame everything on COVID, but another more another year removed from COVID, a year removed from the restrictions, a year removed from, you know, just guys in different places. And and I do think it's important that guys stick around and guys are here and say, hey, let's let's mold the, the young guys and bring them up to speed. Uh, it felt like last year was a little bit of a transition year and you were hoping some guys would stay when and Folly said he, you know, he's in. I, I, I was so stoked, uh, you know, like you, you talked about with uh, Quincy. Same kind of yeah. a thing. Um, you know, there's guys who really, I think, have a lot more to show and have a lot more to give to the opportunity now. And, you know, now you're also talking about adding dollars to your bank account. If you're these guys and you want to be a professional, I think now's the time to put some really quality film on tape. And why wouldn't you want to do it if you can be the man and 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 have another run at it? Uh, and, and hopefully next year produce and get yourself. Cause again, this team was basically one or two games away from going to the NCAA tournament. They should have beaten Cal. They should have beat Arizona state. They should have beaten a wide variety of these teams. They just didn't show up in those games. They beat quality teams. They beat the teams they should have beat. And they should have probably beat Arizona too. They just, they, you know, they were that close and that's going to happen sometimes. So on one of their, on, on one of Dana's worst years, barely making it to 20 wins, they were still that close to almost being one of the better teams of the conference. Yeah, I think that's what that's what gives me the most confidence in terms of projecting how it'll go next year is the only time Dana has missed the tournament in back-to-back -back seasons during his time at Oregon, now 12 years in the books, were his first two years when he was taking over a rebuilding program, won the CBI, got to the NIT, I believe to the semis or, or the quarters, advanced far in that tournament, and then it was a long run going to the, the NCAA tournament. And then the last team that didn't get there – actually had a lot of similarities to this one. I talked about that on, on a recent episode, with what feels like a lifetime ago, frankly. But it was, you know, you had a, a big-time recruit who, eh, like, didn't quite panic. You brought in some transfers. You're like, oh, this is going to work. And it's just like it didn't all come together the way that, that you thought it would. But one piece that I know a lot of Oregon basketball fans out there are 
talking about and the hype train has been plenty big and I completely understand why. And I'm pretty on it myself as well. I think there'll be a little bit of adjustment period for him because Kelly Ware was just such a, a physically dominant player compared to the guys he was going up against in, in Arkansas. It, there's not an elite pool of talent out there. And so, yes, yeah, someone who's seven feet tall and can do a windmill is going to physically dominate any high school level, but it was just exacerbated a little bit when you watch the highlight reel and see him going up against kids who are, you know, like five eleven, maybe six foot one try, trying to guard him. It's like, that's not a fair fight. So I think there'll be a little bit of an adjustment there, but a lot of Oregon fans have high hopes for this guy. They should. His physical gifts are, are NBA caliber and he can do a lot of things on the court. I think he reminds duck fans a little bit of bull bull. He's got some, you know, Chet Holmgren similarities as well, who played for Gonzaga this past year and is going to the NBA draft. What, what do you expect from Kello where in, in his freshman season as, as it currently sits right now before we've seen, you know, any practice reports or anything uh, of the sorts? Like, what, what do you think he can do? Well, with whenever these guys have all the hype and they're they're the next projected NBA guys, but they have to go to college first, it's always kind of a tough situation, right? And, uh, you know, I think about, uh, you know, uh, the Mobley brothers, right, at, at USC, right? Guys who were, were in high school were projected as just like the next big thing. And uh, there's a lot of pressure on them. Bull Bull in the same situation. I mean, would anybody believe that Bull Bull would be in the position he's in now when he was in high school? I mean, people are projecting him to be the next big thing, right? And so uh, it is going to be tough, I feel like, his transition. He is going to be tested. There's going to be games where it feels like he's very pedestrian. Then there'll probably be breakout games. It's just you you hope and pray you don't have some sort of an injury and he loses the year like we did with Bobo. So it's just one of those deals where you know you get the feeling it's a one-and-done situation. When you recruit some of these guys at the highest end, when you recruit a guy, he's the third best recruit in Oregon history. Uh, you know, These are the guys who are, are projected to go one-and-done. I don't even really know what his projection is in the NBA. If I was an NBA scout, I don't really even know what to do with him. Like you said, coming off of playing against talent. Now, he did do well in the tournaments, in the game at Portland yep. and the yep. other game. He, he, has, he has done well against quality talent, but you're right. Unless you're playing against grown men night to night, what are you going to do in the NBA? And the NBA, the modern day for these seven footers is really not to bang in the paint anymore. So he's got to be able to have the jumper. He's got to be able to put the ball on the floor. He's got to be able to do some things where he maybe passes off the dribble, do some stuff that basically you used to only see point guards and wings and, you know, shooting guards do. Now everybody's expected to do that. And I mean, you got a guy who's the reigning MVP, two-time MVP who basically plays at half speed at seven feet tall and runs the whole show. I mean, this is amazing. If, if you were to tell George Mike in this, what would he think? Right? So uh, the game has changed. And so a guy like uh, Cleo well need, needs to be able to adapt to it. And, I think defensively, he's going to be fine in Dana's system. I think he'll be ready to go. They'll put him in. But, you know, there's also a lot of bigs still in that system that he's going to have to fight for playing time with. It's not like he's going to be able to go there and be the man. He's not going to be like James Wiseman in Memphis and just play like the entire game. You know, he's going to have to come in and find his spot. But I do see him playing, and I would love, like you said, that first lineup, that idea of him at the four with Dante at the five, give him some rim protection, not have him have to be the only big and let him kind of roam a little bit, let him kind of be creative because I think that's the key concept in the next level. You have to be creative, especially with the ball in your hands when you get to the professional level. Yeah. And the, the rotation of bigs that Dana is going to have next year is pretty immaculate, frankly, because 
He's got three five-star guys. I know that that might be a surprise to some Oregon fans out there, but Nate Biddle was a five-star recruit. It's a little bit different in basketball. I've noticed, you know, there's some four and five-star guys where I'm like, it's it's not exactly the same uh, as in football. You know, typically you can have a five-star recruit in basketball who's still very raw, like Big Frank and Folly both were were five-star guys because of their physical gifts. And, you know, in that front, it's certainly warranted. But the other side of that coin is neither of them have have refined offensive games or jump shots when certainly when they got to Oregon and still at this point in their career. But I'm confident in the the front court there if it's Kella Ware, Nate Biddle and, and Big and Folly Dante in the center. I almost said Big Frank because I just I I, I really am. I, I really wish, man. Him. He was so good, dude. I know. It's just you know what? There's just something about the college game that feels different than the pros, and oh, I think Frank encapsulated that for sure. perfectly. Just the the pure love and joy right. that he played with every time he was on the court. They'll and, love and him. Way, I want to ask you about that. They'll he love him on Lake. They'll love well, him up there. Oh, I, I know. I, I know. I think he can bring a lot of juice, and yeah. he does so many things well on the court. His offensive game by the end of the year was at the point where I was going, I like okay, it. let's get him some post touches. Like, yeah. he should have three or four post touches a game because his hook shot. flip. Hook. Yeah, that little, that little flip, it was filthy nice. by the end. Yeah. But he always brought it defensively. He's still oh, learning man. how not to foul, but when he doesn't, he's really, really good. So now that he's gone – I think one the biggest void that it leaves for Oregon more so than you know in the front court positionally because we have Ware coming in who's a dynamic athlete can do a lot of things. Frank was the energy guy on a team that was lacking them. Right, they didn't big have an time. alpha all year. They he were was the glue big time. Yeah, he, that, he was that's the glue. he was the glue. That's exactly right. So now that he's gone, where does Oregon turn for for that sort of guy? Like, is there a leading candidate right now? I don't know. I mean, maybe the towel waivers at the end of the bench. I mean, the guys, you know, shoot, <laughs> shooting the arrow out of the thing when the guy hits the three. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, m- maybe it comes locally a little bit, you know, Biddle's a guy from, from Oregon. He's a pretty soft spoken guy, but you know, there, maybe you have to find something. You have to find something. I, I do think though, that whoever comes in, the transfers have to assert themselves quickly, especially yeah. guys who played a lot and played a lot of basketball it'll show up within the first runs in the summertime. It'll show up who's going to be the leader of the team. Right. But, you know, like you talked about those five, five stars, you know, those guys, you know, all American guys, McDonald's all American type, you know, Biddle was like one of those guys. And he was one of those guys who very early on because of his height and everything, but he also kind of maintained whatever he needed to do to stay connected to the rest of that class. So he, he, he maintained the jump shot. He maintained the offensive power. He has the heavy dunk, you know, he has other sort of stuff, but it's all about defense for him at that big frame. He, he put in some good blocks at the end of the year. And I, I don't know. I, I think you got it. You got to find energy from somewhere on this. I hope, I hope that the three point shooting improves because that's another part of Dana's system. If the, if the three ball goes in, the rest of the offense runs a lot smoother. I hope they get back to some simple plays and I hope they get some turnovers out of the trap. They ran the softest freaking zone I've ever seen. They just ran through the motions on that zone. The ball was passed in two passes, and it was a wide-open shot on the other end. Instead of putting pressure and making them slow down their offensive production. And it's a a mindset thing. 
It's a mindset thing. You've got to have, you've got to have buy-in from the guys in the lineup. And look, Jacob Young and Davion Harmon were were good players who had some really exciting moments, but they they were almost exclusively at the offensive end. And sure, they had some nice steals. I think Harmon was actually one of the conference leaders in steals, which is what I'm sure some people are going to rush to the comments to talk about here. But it's about the non statistical plays on defense that you have to show up for. And I don't think that they were there consistently enough because they're offensively minded guys. They're small guards. There's just, there's not that many guys who are that small on the basketball court that are going to be all in at the defensive end. And I think they have to, you know, I think Gary is a guy, honestly, who can provide that, that sort of alpha leadership. I think he's a little bit more vocal than you know what we saw a, a season ago. I think we saw it in, in glimpses, but Especially th- they the have end, to like have it. Yeah, and, and I think that you know Kello Ware coming in. I don't think we can expect it to be him, both because he's a freshman, both because I, I've seen him talk. He's just kind of quiet, quiet, going about his business. Yeah, like someone has to be, you know, the the Patrick Beverly, the the Draymond Green, the Dylan Brooks on your team. You know, every team needs that Ehab Amin, Arsalan Kazemi. Like there's there have been guys over the years in Oregon basketball. I'm glad you appreciate those names. I hope some Oregon Dude, fans Kazemi. do. I think Kazemi is still Bill Walton's favorite player. I can't blame him. I can't he's, he's one of my favorite Oregon players ever. Dude, he was like he, he was like ready to put him into the UN. <laughs> he was like he was so pumped on him. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think I think Dana finds some real unique guys on the transfer portal, always has, and brought in guys who there's something to be said about the transfer portal. There's an opportunity that guys are trying to take advantage of, and they know that they need to strike while the iron's hot. This is their chance. Now I got to make the most of it. I'm here. I'm at a big school with a big opportunity in front of me, and Dana's giving me the keys. Let's do something with it. And, you know, it felt like at times during the year, Davion Harmon was one of the best players on that team last year. When Will was out, he carried the load a little bit early. When Jacob had some games off, there was a a couple games late where, you know, Jacob was great in the first half, you know, uh, Davion was great in the second half or vice versa or whatever. You know, you're going to have to find somebody to cover up. And last year, I thought they were that close. (laughs) What could have been, right? And they could have actually played pretty well. The Pac-12, for the most part, had played pretty well in the tournament. The year before and whatnot, I thought it was a great opportunity. This year could do the same thing with maybe a little bit of a fall off from UCLA or somebody else, maybe with some other guys leaving. And Oregon could be right back in this thing. Oregon could literally be at the end of the year in the Pac-12 championship on that championship final day. I I completely agree. And a year ago was so strange. They, at the time, I think their ceiling as a team was probably the Elite Eight. Right. Yeah. doesn't mean that, you know, if yeah. they'd gotten to the tournament, they would have gotten there. But that's the furthest that team could have gone. Right. And instead, they didn't get there at all. And, you know, I, I'm I'm just really interested to see how how this is all all going to gel together because there's so many pieces there. But let it let it be known, Duck fans. I want Kello Ware to start alongside and Folly Dante in the front court. It gives me Jordan Bell, Chris Boucher vibes in just the best way. And and also just what we saw with the Mobley brothers, you know, I mean, yep. I, I, I kind of liken him to Evan Mobley a little bit on that level of a guy that can shoot from outside a little bit. He's an athletic seven footer. He's not the strong, stiff seven footer you've seen in the past. He's a little bit more fluid. Uh, and when they ran him and Isaiah at the same time, bro, that was hard to stop. You also can't, you also can't get inside. It's so you much can't. length. It's exactly. so much shot blocking. And They're gobbling up rebounds. Kids. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, there's there are a lot there are a lot of things there. I think we're in uh, in full lockstep agreement there. Ryan Winter Sports Chat five hundred three. You can hit him up on Twitter and on YouTube, putting out some Ducks content. Ryan, we always love having you on the show, and we'll continue to do love so. It. Good to talk to you as always. Thank you so much, Spencer. Appreciate you. Good luck with the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks everybody for making this your first listen. Make Locked On Pack Twelve your second, or you can watch it on YouTube as well. I'm hosting over there, talking about the Conference of Champions. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.